0: Good morning everyone. And so we're hearing from our first reading from the book of Genesis and it talks about an event in the life of Abraham and we are told that three strangers come upon him uh, suddenly, unexpectedly, and uh, he offers hospitality. Hospitality in Abraham's time as well as in Jesus' time and even in current time in the Middle East is of great importance. This is a very hospitality and food and drink is very important and always has been. So um, Abraham does what he does instinctively. He doesn't have to think, oh, did God command this? No, he just knows this is what needs to be done. The three strangers um, in uh, Old Testament speak would be Yahweh and two companions. Yahweh, Jehovah, that was God's name that they knew. But from the Christian perspective, it is, it is the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit have come to visit them. And they show great hospitality because of love. He doesn't know that this is God. He's just strangers to him. And uh, in return uh, for the warm hospitality, the love behind it, um, they are told that one of them will return in a year's time. And when they come back, uh, his wife, who is very old, and does not have a child, will have a child. Which is almost impossible physically for her, because she's way, you know, I'm not talking about 40, she's like 75 in this time. She's old. And he said, you will have a son. And uh, you know, this, this notion, uh, I look at it and like, uh, my goodness, he doesn't know it, but God is there, present. Father, Son, and Spirit. And, of course, last night, I went someplace when I shouldn't. And I said, now, the first thing I was thinking, I'm like, no, wait a minute, they're sitting down having a, a meal. Now, Jesus doesn't become incarnate until Christmas, you know, much, much later. I'm like, How does that happen? And my priest friend said, why would you even go there? Why would you even think that? He said, here's my answer to you, Father Mark. Well, he didn't call me. He calls me Mark. God can do whatever he wants. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I just let it go. But that's I'm already thinking about these things. And uh, our second reading from Colossians, Paul, uh, is the apostle, uh, as we know him, the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's that whole piece. uh, We only heard a part of it, the whole piece. um, He's giving the good news about Jesus Christ, about the good news of salvation to them. And he goes on to say, I am going to suffer for you. Now, uh, people get a little bit confused about what Paul is doing here. The suffering that's lacking, has it's not about what Jesus, he lacked nothing. His suffering lacked nothing. Paul makes a comment, he said, in the body of Christ, on, he means the body of Christ. He's talking about the church now. So something's lacking in the body of the church to which he will suffer. And he's doing it gladly on their behalf for their salvation also. But nothing is lacking when it comes to Jesus Christ. So let's move that right out of the way. In our gospel, we have a, um, the scene is set up with Martha and Mary. And it is Martha who welcomes Jesus into her home. And uh, very classically understood, um, there is a contrast between Martha's activity and Mary's quiet attention. So oftentimes it's presented, and I've done it myself, when we exegize this, we talk about uh, works and prayer. And I think that's fine. Um, but I think something else is happening, and I'm setting you up for this. I'm going to warn you now that the, the most of my homily is going to be theory, uh, conjecture on my part, so I'm warning you now, I'm, but I'm giving you the classic understanding of what most biblical scholars would tell you. This has to do with um, contemplation, it has to do with prayer, uh, but, um, and I want to be clear when it comes to Martha and Mary, uh, what Martha is doing is not important. Remember, uh, hospitality is extremely important, uh, so what she's doing is actually good, um, it's just that Jesus, in the way Luke presents it, says that Mary's chosen the better. So it wasn't a question between bad and good, but between good and better, or good and holy. And I'll back this up with Scripture. Uh, there is the parable of the great feast, Luke 14:15, uh, or the parable in Matthew's gospel, the wedding feast. There Jesus presents a parable, and uh, he invites people. Uh, to be present to him, that's what the parable is really about, uh, And but they make up excuses or something like that, and they'll say, well, I will, but later, after I bury my loved one, later, after I feed my cow. Uh, so, uh, and those are good things. Those are not bad things. Those are good things. But in that moment, there was something better, and that's why I'm saying there's something else going on here in this gospel. Um, and certainly, Uh, it has been said that ministry without prayer becomes meaningless, and uh, prayer without backing it up with some works uh, seems hollow to people. So uh, there's a whole bunch going on here. Uh, Also, it's the position uh, that Luke has put this story in. It follows the Good Samaritan. Remember, the Good Samaritan, he, from his heart, does something of great kindness. He doesn't stop and think does God command me to do this? He already knows this must be done. And so uh, we see the Good Samaritan, and we see this event. Here, uh, remember, Luke has great concern for women of his time. So now he's presenting Martha as the female who is going to do something. The Good Samaritan is a man who does something. Martha is the woman. Uh, but there's Mary, and one of the things that I've been jo- I know of my sense of humor, when... Jesus addresses Martha, he's not, uh, what she's doing is important. And he doesn't look at Mary and then uh, tell, you know, Mary, oh, by the way, you won the spiritual lottery by choosing what you've done. He's not doing this. So there's other things going on here. And what follows is um, the Our Father. So next week we'll hear Jesus present the Our Father. So there's a whole bunch. Luke is very deliberate about where he put this story And what's behind it. And um, my friends, um, Martha and Mary, if you've forgotten, they're sisters and their brother is Lazarus. And Lazarus is a very dear friend of Jesus. Uh, If you go and read, you'll hear Lazarus. um, We are told that Jesus loved him very much. So they're friends, good friends. And they lived near Bethany, near Jerusalem. And Jesus knew them very well, And uh, I would say beyond just being friends, they would be considered disciples of Jesus, and Jesus would have visited their home often. One of the visits is the account of today's gospel. The story comes, as I said, right after the parable of the Good Samaritan. Likely today's story then happens to help us to guide and balance the teaching of the Good Samaritan. We are told Martha is very busy preparing a meal for those who are in the house. Martha is more forward of the two sisters. Why would I say that? Because uh, Martha is the one who is at the funeral of her brother. And Jesus comes a couple days late. He's only a couple hours away. But he comes a couple days late. And when he arrives, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. That's why I'm saying Martha is the more forward one. And that's not bad. I mean in a good way. Um, in this case, Martha is concerned with the, the culture of hospitality and is very conscious of the requirements uh, for her guest and how much more so that their good friend, this rabbi Jesus, is in their house again. Nevertheless, our gospel drops the hint that Martha went a little bit too far with this, and, uh, meaning the legitimate concerns of hospitality. Uh, it became almost, and here's where I'm going to begin to move into, I'm taking liberties. Uh, it moved into where she got fussy about it. And, uh, and we're told, Luke said, that she was burdened with many things. She had a lot of anxiety about what she was doing. In all likelihood, Uh, to be quite honest, a simple meal would have been sufficient to fulfill the requirements of the culture of providing food for her guests. But Martha wasn't having any of that. And my friends, um, all her fussing and fretting made her cranky. Now, in Father Mark's head, you know how, for those who are visiting, just bear with me. The people here with me always understand how I think. I picture the scene. And Martha is standing in the doorway between the kitchen and the living room with her hand on her hip. Lord, do you see my sister just sitting there? <laughs> Tell her to get up. And, uh, <laughs> and for people who know Jewish women, that's not unusual for her to do that. But I thought, oh, my. good thing Jesus is Lord and God because I don't think most Jewish men would respond the way Jesus did to the woman. <laughs> by what he said. But now Mary is at his feet. That is a position where she is listening to him. Now, uh, here's where I will bring another piece of scripture. In the scripture, uh, in Deuteronomy 8, 3, Jesus makes a reference to this later on. Uh, It's it's Luke 4 and Matthew 4. Uh, There he says, Not by bread alone does man survive, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So here we are in this setting of a meal and Mary's at his feet. Martha interrupts what Jesus is talking about. Martha seems to scold both of them, to be honest. Lord, don't you care that my sister's doing nothing? And tell her to get up. It's the response of Jesus. He tells Martha that she is troubled by many things. Martha, Martha, you have so much anxiety about everything. My word. Um, And he says, there is only one concern now in this moment. And your sister has chosen the better part. She didn't, he didn't say she chose correctly. She chose the better. On the other hand, the better part is Mary's only concern. This is all Mary is concerned about. So this is what really triggered all my thinking. What is going on? And... Our Lord said that he will not take it from her. So what is this better part? And here's where I'm going into conjecture, and I'm letting you know this. As I said, the traditional understanding says that Martha represents activity and ministry and good works, and Mary represents prayer and contemplation. And there, I don't think it is being contrasted. I do not think that is what Luke is doing. I think he's showing the complementary aspects of that. We need both in our life. Uh, but it's not wrong if, uh, 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 I wouldn't dare, I, I'm not smarter than Holy Mother and Father of the Church, you know. So that works. But why not look deeper? Let us go deeper and see what else could be going on here. And uh, after looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan, we would be, do well to look deeper at another level of what Luke is doing. Putting it into context, our Lord is on his way to Jerusalem. He's not coming back. He is going to his crucifixion. So this is the last time he is going to be visiting them. You understand? This is the last time. Now, uh, he has been talking to his disciples and to his apostles about his suffering, his passion, and his death, and they don't seem to get it. Given what we know about The time, do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, He is talking to his father and he has anxiety. He's filled, his heart is troubled to the point where we are told he sweated blood. So, if this is the case, then, and his apostles aren't getting it, no one's getting it. They're not seeing that Jesus is troubled. Their friend, Jesus, is troubled by something. Something is weighing on his heart. No one seems to get it. Martha is so absorbed with making uh, the pita bread and everything else that she doesn't see it either. And they're likely not to be of great importance in this moment with Jesus. The food, I mean, is like I quoted from Deuteronomy 8.3, not by bread alone, but by every word that falls from the mouth of the Lord. And that is the Lord God there, even though they don't understand it yet. Martha is busy, and she doesn't seem to notice that Jesus is troubled. You can say, Father, where is all that in the scriptures? I'm basing it on the other pieces of the scriptures. Mary seems to get it. She seems to understand something's wrong. Something is bothering Jesus. So she shows great hospitality of presence, She kneels before him, and I can only imagine in my head, Lord, what's the matter? Why why are you troubled? What is wrong with your heart? What is going on? What is going on? Tell me, my Lord, what is going on? Why are you hurting? What is he saying? The scriptures don't tell us exactly. He could be talking about anything with her. But he is on his way to be crucified. So what do you think he is talking about? He has been talking about it on the whole journey. And they just weren't getting it. Mary listens with what we can presume is Jesus talking about his death. And she becomes so sensitive and so compassionate. She offers him her heart and ears. Lord, tell me, Tell me. This is also needed. And this is why I think what Jesus was saying, in this moment, this is what I needed. And I know it's hard for us to understand God saying, I need, but remember, Jesus is fully human. But this is what he needed. And Mary has chosen the better part of this. It is a form of hospitality and attention that Jesus needed in that moment. And considering how the world has ignored him, considering how he came as God's messenger about love and he spoke it and people ignored him and treated him horribly, considering he has called the world to enter into uh, the divine life of his Father and the Spirit and pretty much the world has said, no thank you. Jesus is left standing in isolation, and if you're wondering where I get that from, you go and read Calvary. You go and read what it says about that day. He is in complete isolation, and no one is paying any attention to the fact that he is troubled. Except Mary. I think she figured it out. She chooses... The better part. She is our model then for listening to the very word of God and for listening to the pain of Christ, but now to listen to the pain of Christ that is in other people, picking up on the second reading. And responding appropriately. She does so out of love for Him, not because it was commanded, but love saw that. Her friend was hurting, and she became attentive to it. What we should be doing? Perhaps then this is about knowing what to do and when to do it. My friends, again, uh, this is your pastor uh, giving you an interpretation. You do not have to believe it, but I think Luke is doing something deeper. And this is what I believe he was trying to communicate to us, considering where it's positioned. Mary chooses out of love to submit to the Lord. And he says, only one thing is needed for her to be here with me now. And so, as we continue at Mass, the Father will go to the altar and prepare the altar, and it is Christ himself who prepares hospitality for you, not just bread and wine, but his very body, blood, soul, and divinity. He's asking you to let him enter into your life with his divinity so that you can come and share with him. Choose the better part. Choose to enter into this when the world has always said no to him. And then recommit to him again and again and again. And my friend's He is giving you his heart, meaning his love. So I ask you always when you approach the Eucharist to do so with love and reverence for what the Eucharist is. Remember to come forward with great joy, but to have reverence. The response when the minister says the body of Christ is amen. Not thank you. That's what you do when you go back to the pew. Amen means, I believe, so be it, let it be. You are responding to what the minister is saying, the body of Christ. Yes. Yes, it is. And that is contained in the amen. And remember, please, um, to we're asked by Mother Church to just to recognize the true presence, and that commands, if you will, a slight bow, not to the minister, not to me, to Christ, present in the Eucharist. And remember, please, uh, to consume the Eucharist immediately if you're not receiving on your tongue, to consume it immediately, not walk away with the Eucharist in your hand. If you must step to the side, consume the Eucharist immediately um, so that we know that no one's walking out with it. I know. I'll say that for another time. Uh, why that could happen, possibly, uh, but um, in this moment, know the great gift that is being offered—the great hospitality of the divine Himself. Amen. Father doesn't have his watch on, so if I give a long homily, I'll use that as an excuse. <laughs> My friends, as we heard St. Vincent de Paul, uh, this is their annual appeal, and our parish has always been just so generous with them as they go and help the impoverished. And um, I didn't look at the scriptures necessarily when they approached and said, what Sunday can we do this? Uh, There is no coincidences with God that these scriptures were present for them when they were going to make their appeal. Because when we look at Martha and Mary, and we look at St. Vincent de Paul, they do both. They are doing exactly that. They are Martha in the sense that they collect, and they go out, and they do. But as you heard, they do marry also. They actually meet with the person who, is, who needs help, and they spend time with their heart to the person and listen to them. So they do both. So I commend St. Vincent de Paul in the great ministry of charity that they do. And uh, I ask that you pray about it and you support them as best you can in their ministry here at our parish to the people uh, of, this, of our area who need help. My friends, Mary, she could not change what was going to be for our Lord. She just made herself present to him, to be with him, even though she could not. Sometimes we cannot change something for a person, but we can be there for them and journey with them. My friends, this weekend uh, was a little bit odd in the sense that we had uh, a lot of folks who have celiac disease at the three masses. Uh, so I want to alert everyone, uh, we have low-gluten hosts available. They're not zero, because that's not permitted in our church, but we do have low-gluten. But uh, So if you need that, if you let us know before Mass begins, we will, uh, we will get out the low-gluten and separate them properly. Uh, from time to time, you'll see me actually come down from the altar with a chalice uh, the chalice has the pressure blood in it, and it is some celiacs, they cannot even have the low gluten. So uh, I've made it in this parish, not at all parish, I've made the, the consecrated blood available to them uh, so that they can at least have uh, uh, have it from time to time. So if you're wondering why I step down with the chalice from time, it's because they have severe celiacs. Okay, if you pass the word to those who maybe have celiacs in need, uh, just come forward before Mass and we'll make sure we get that taken care of for you.